Welcome to the Nourish Nervous System, an exploration of stress, the nervous system, and transformative self-care practices for parents and other humans through the lenses of Ayurveda, holistic coaching, somatics, herbs, and much, much more. I'm the host, Kristen Timchak. I'm a holistic life coach, Ayurvedic educator, herbalist, and mother of a tiny human. Join me for information, insight, deep thoughts, and small steps to help you nourish your nervous system. Hello, my sweet friends, and welcome back. This is episode number three of the Nourish Nervous System. I hope you're finding some moments to be present and noticing the world around you. Last week, we talked about some of the basic guiding principles of Ayurveda, and this week, we're going to do a deep dive into Vata Dosha. We will eventually go deep into the other two doshas, but maybe not for a little bit. But vata is the one that rules the nervous system, so it feels like an important basis for the conversations I want to have in this podcast. Learning about vata has been one of the things that has really gotten me interested in the nervous system because it showed me how much we have stacked against us in our modern world when it comes to nervous system health. But we'll unpack that in a little bit. First, let's get a solid understanding of what exactly vata dosha is. So as I mentioned yesterday, vata is a combination of ether, space element, and the air element. So think of the space as empty space. Without this element, there would be no empty spaces like the space of the chest cavity or even the spaces between cells. And in the bigger picture, it's just all the empty space that exists anywhere that you see it. And the element of air is like wind. It has movement. So Every element has different qualities, and each dosha has a collection of qualities that define it. The qualities of vata are dry, light, cold, rough, subtle, mobile, clear, and irregular. And different places, different sources that you will look at might give slightly different lists of qualities, but these are the basic ones. There's a little crossover of certain qualities between the three doshas, But if you notice a lot of these different qualities showing up either out in the environment or in your body or in your mind, that you know that vata dosha is present. In the macro world, we can notice this seasonally. Autumn into early winter is considered vata season. I think of not necessarily the beginning of autumn these days, it's still pretty warm, but once it gets into the time where it's windier and colder and drier, You can think of deciduous trees during this time and how their leaves get dry and light and brown and are eventually blown off. In our bodies, these qualities can show up as dry, rough skin or constipation or brittle nails or any type of dry, rough, irregular sorts of qualities. As I mentioned last week, vata governs all movement in the body, breathing, blinking, the heartbeat, muscle movement, your thoughts, and movement of neurons. Vata is also in charge of the vital life essence that's called prana. A person with primarily vata dosha is going to have a thin, small, light, flexible frame. They may either be very tall or very short. That's their irregularity. Their features are thin and their skin and hair tend to be thin and dry. Their sleep can often be light and interrupted. 
their digestion can be sensitive and irregular. I really think about the subtle quality with Vata. They are sensitive people, both physically and energetically. When in balance, they are often artistic, creative, kind of visionary folks. They are empathic and are dreamers. They can also be joyful and very fun to be around. Their energy levels are irregular, so they can be full of energy, then experience bouts of fatigue. Vatas love change. It is often really good for them to have routine and schedule, but they will also completely rebel against it. When out of balance, Vata can be nervous, worried, fearful, and anxious. They can suffer from insomnia, constipation, muscle, sp- muscle spasms, dry skin conditions, etc. The main site of Vata in the body is the colon. So physically, this is often the first place you will see a Vata imbalance. Because of Vata's light, subtle, mobile nature, it's also a very fragile constitution. It can go out of balance really easily. In one of the ancient Ayurvedic texts, there are lists of different diseases that originate from each dosha, and the list for Vata is exponentially longer than the other two because of its fragile and sensitive nature. So last week, we talked about the concept of like increases like. So some of the things that bring Vata out of balance are cold, dry, windy weather, cold, dry foods, travel, excessive movement, and lack of routine. So to balance vata, we bring in opposites, warm, oily food, meditation, rest, routine, warm oil in the body. This last one is the heart of balancing vata and the heart of the work that I did in the Panchakarma Center in Massachusetts. So if the qualities of vata are cold, dry, light, subtle, rough, then warm oil with the qualities of warm, oily, heavy, dense, and smooth, it's the perfect thing to balance vata. In both Ayurvedic practice and in Panchakarma, there's a treatment that we do called Abhyanga. It's like a massage, but it's a synchronized um, treatment that uses lots and lots of warm herbalized oils. It's so grounding and nourishing. And something that I do in my own personal life, my own personal practice is self-abhyanga. And so I before a shower is the ideal time when your skin is dry. And ideally, if you have enough time using some type of dry brush or like those um, like loofah gloves, you can just first just give yourself a a rub down, get all the dry skin off, prepare your skin to receive the oil. And then you can massage warm oil into your skin and let it sit for five to 10 minutes and then get into a hot shower. And it's so revitalizing. It's so deeply nourishing. If you're interested in trying this practice, I'll leave a link in my show notes. On my website, I have a write-up of a self-abhyanga practice, and it's very simple. You can follow, follow it along and then use your intuition and just the beautiful part of it, I think, is taking time for yourself, slowing down, letting your body know that it's loved. In Sanskrit, there's a word sneha. 
And sneha is the word for oil. It's also a word that means love. So I really love thinking about this practice of putting oil on the body as a practice of loving your body, of putting this coating of oil and protection onto yourself and just taking that time for yourself. It's huge. It's one of the main practices that I started up again when I've just been in this time of deep nervous system rejuvenation. And I just feel so different after doing it, especially when I'm having the anxiety and fear and worry stuff going on. It really helps to soothe and ground me. So try it out if you're interested. I think another aspect of vata that's important to talk about is because it can so easily go out of balance, vata, when vata is out of balance, it does crave the things that bring it farther out of balance. Like vata people, people who are, or people who are deep in a vata imbalance, they might want to do the vinyasa yoga classes, the, um, you know, they are drawn to travel, to, to being in that more ethereal space to, they will rebel against routine structure and might be drawn to, you know, really extreme raw food diets or things like that, that kind of increase that vata dosha, because there's something, I think there can be something almost not addictive, but intoxicating about that, that getting spacier, getting more ethereal. And oftentimes what those people really need is the structure, the grounding, the slowing down, the pausing, the warmth, or the warm, heavy, oily foods, the things that help to keep them tethered to this earth. And I know I've been in those places before. I have enough kapha to keep me grounded. I think sometimes about the vata of places. I've been living in California in a little town in the foothills of the Sierras for the past 11 years. And just California, at least this area, is a very vata place. A lot of pitta too, a lot of heat, especially in the summertime, but it's very, very dry. And there's a constant influx of people and it's a small, tiny town in the mountains, but there's so much transience and people coming from different places and movement and there's a way and like a hustle culture. And so there's this way that I've noticed energetically here, just living here, just being here, that my vata gets out of balance way more easily. When I go back to New England, where I'm from, I can feel the more kapha nature there, the the moistness, the heaviness, even though people are very busy there. I'm not even, I'm not talking necessarily about whether people work hard or anything like that. It's just, it's like a subtle energetic feeling of um, more groundedness. And it's just something that I've noticed a lot in traveling between the two places and having lived out here for so long, um, just noticing the constitution of a place and how it affects how it affects you and how it affects you in different times of your life. Um, I'm in a different, I'm moving into a different period of my life right now where, especially after kind of the health crisis I've had in the past year or two, um, 
just feeling that my system is more fragile, more vata. So we can notice the vata of place. We can also notice that there are vata times of day. So vata times of day are from 2 to 6 a.m. and 2 to 6 p.m. If you ever wake up in those early morning hours between 2 and 6 and your mind is just buzzing and thinking and looping and you just have the hardest time falling asleep and then around 6 all of a sudden you're exhausted and heavy and can fall asleep really easily fall back to sleep really easily that's because you've gone from vata time which is from 2 to 6 into kapha time which is 6 to 10 and kapha's heavy earth groundedness so that's something that i've become very aware of and we call that type of insomnia where you fall asleep pretty easily but You wake up in those early morning hours with like a spinning mind, uh, vata, vata type insomnia. And we can also think about vata. We already talked about the season of vata, vata in a place, but there's also vata time of life. Vata time of life is the, the end of life. It's that time, you know, post menopause for women, um, the wisdom years, that time when your your body, your bones begin to get lighter, drier, more fragile. I remember my mom as she was aging and would start waking up at like four or five in the morning and just not going back to sleep. That's just when she started waking up. It was more, more vata happens at that period of life. So for people who are in that stage of life, knowing some ways to manage vata can be extremely helpful. And like we said, it's like increases like opposites attract. If you're in a vata time of life and it's in the fall where it's dry and, and you're in living in a place that's dry and windy and cold, you really can think about these things as what do I need to do? Do I need to put some oil on my body before I go out in the day? Do I need to bundle up a little more and just protect myself from that wind and from that cold? Do I need to be a little bit more still? Do I need to let go of some of my expectations of what I need to get done in a day and just have a little bit more pause and rest during that those times? It's just this lens. It's the lens that we can we can look at life through and start to make those little micro movements that help to bring us into balance. And with this lens, we can also really look at all the things we have stacked against us in our modern world when it comes to vata and the nervous system. And this is actually what has really gotten me interested in the nervous system in the different ways that that we can do self-care and balance vata. Because when I think about when Ayurveda was first being practiced thousands of years ago, or even, you know, in our country, like hundreds of years ago, before cars and trains, there were no motor vehicles or airplanes. The fastest people moved was by walking or on horseback. There were no TVs, iPhones, computers, which are all very vata aggravating in their subtle mobile nature. People's minds were also consuming so much less information than we do on a daily basis. They were getting their news from 
a newspaper or from mail that came to them, snail mail, or through verbal, through stories and verbal interactions. It was, everything was just a lot slower and a lot less. And people were eating more in balance with the land because that was what was available. They didn't have grocery stores that could where they could get any type of processed food or out-of-season fruit or vegetable. They were living in balance with the seasons. They, they, had, they had to be, especially you know the people living thousands of years ago. Their whole livelihood depended on the seasons and what was happening in that particular season. They didn't have electric lights. They they went to they slept and woke with you know with the sun. And I'm not idealizing the past or saying that it was easier than the world we live in, but on every level it was less vata deranging. Driving in a car, eating processed foods, chronic stress, rushing, being busy, consuming news and social media, looking at screens, and especially flying on airplanes are all extremely vata deranging. Some of these things we do every day. Vata rules the nervous system. So all of these things that bring vata out of balance also affect our nervous system. As I've said, vata is fragile, so it's not a surprise in our modern world that we are inundated with chronic stress, burnout, anxiety, and stress-related disease. In my life, it has been so helpful to get really familiar with vata and to notice how it feels when it starts to get out of balance. And I am not an expert at this. It's a constant work in progress, and I get out of balance often, but I feel like I do have these tools. When, when I can get my mind out of the chaos, I can pull on these tools that I have and I can find balance. My tools have changed throughout my life. What, what works at certain times of my life or with certain things going on don't, doesn't work at others. But for the past year, what have really been my, the tools in my toolbox have been the warm oil on my body before my showers. Sometimes if I don't have, you know, the time or the space to do it before my shower, even just getting a little oil on my body after a shower, like a little less oil, using it more as like a moisturizer, but just getting that on my body is really, really helpful. The other thing has been meditation. And I just want to say that meditation can feel really daunting for some folks. And I think we have an idea that meditation has to look a certain way or has to be practiced in a certain way that has to be austere or something that's difficult. And I just want to challenge that because I think the point of it is not about dogma or how you practice, but finding the way to practice that calms your mind and brings you into the present moment. So for me, having come from a place of being so under-resourced after my birth and sleepless nights and, you know, Hashimoto's and all the different things, for me, the best way that I've found to meditate in this time has been to do it lying down and to be, to bring myself into that fuzzy place between awake and asleep. And it feels really nourishing and rejuvenative. And other times in my life, I've gotten more from doing a more austere sitting discipline 
based practice. But for right now, what my body needs is to rest. It needs to slow down and quiet down. And so I've just been finding the ways to do that. Um, I started off doing a lot of yoga nidra meditations. That was really healing for me in the beginning of my healing process and still is. But I went through a period where I did yoga nidra every night before bed and I started to notice some some shifts in my energy, my sleep, my energy during the day, and also just my ability to hold space with my child. I had more bandwidth to be with the crazy toddlerness when I had was more resourced from from those yoga nidra practices. Eventually, I started to do my own sort of meditation practice before bed to help me prepare for sleep and created one for me that just feels like it hits the points that I want to hit and gets me into that really deep, restful state and helps me make that transition into bed. It's something I also, if I'm having a stressful day, um, might do in the middle of the day to just get that a little bit of extra rest and rejuvenation. And I've actually recorded this meditation and I'll have a link for it in the show notes if you would like to download this, um, they call it a deep rest meditation. So this is a lot of information and a good introduction to Vata. There is so much more, like the subdoshas of Vata, which we haven't even touched on, but that can be another day. So your small step for this week is to notice Vata, air and space elements. Notice them both in your external environment as well as in your body and mind. Notice dry, rough, cold qualities. Notice anxiety, worry, and fear in your mind. And if you feel called, try my deep breath meditation or go to my website for instructions for the self-abhyanga oil massage. Or find another way that works for you to calm the vata. So have a great week. I look forward to being back next week with another episode of The Nourished Nervous System. Hey there, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. It helps new podcasts like this one get seen by other people. If you didn't like it, I hope you're still listening. Life is way too short to listen to podcasts you don't like. 